You are listening to the Inclusion Revolution Radio. I'm your podcast host, Noby Craven. I'm a Special Olympics DC athlete and a Special Olympics international employee. On this podcast, I interview athletes, partners, ambassadors, employees, and supporters of Special Olympics. This podcast is for anyone and everyone who's interested in Special Olympics and the work that we do. New episodes premiere every other Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, anywhere you get your podcast. You're listening to the third episode of Season 4 of the Inclusion Revolution Radio Podcast. My name is Noby Craven. I'm your host for today's episode. Today, we'll be talking with Jennifer Hansen, Senior Manager of Young Athletes, and Mercer Nino, Pediatric Advisor for Young Athletes. Welcome, Jennifer and Mercy, to the Inclusion Revolution podcast. We are so excited to have you here today. Jennifer has worked for Special Olympics for over 10 years in multiple roles, for starting off as a volunteer to working her way up within the Special Olympics of Minnesota. She is now oversees global programming for hundreds of thousands of children across the globe. As a mother of three boys, three boys herself, creating space where kids of all, all ages can include and respect is not only Jennifer's passion, but her way of life. Dr. Mercy is a pediatric cardiologist. Her background and experience have been significantly inter- instrumental to supporting the pediatric screening projects. Mercy's connection with Special Olympics started when her son was diagnosed with autism and has led her to be a critical part of young athletes' team. Jennifer, what brought you to Special Olympics? That's a great question. Thanks for having me, Novi. I'm so excited. This is my first podcast, and I'm such an avid listener. It's very exciting. Um, I first volunteered for Special Olympics back in 99 when I was in college. I um, was voluntold, as we like to say, um, to to be a unified partner for floor hockey at Western Michigan University. Although floor hockey wasn't in my future, I haven't participated since. It was something that I remembered for to this day. I remember my experience volunteering very vividly. Um, and throughout the course of my career, I've always focused on serving individuals with intellectual disabilities. My degree is in social work. Um, And what I decided to do was focus on individuals with disabilities. And I went through the whole system here in the state. So I did case management. I ran a vocational day program. I was in group homes giving personal care. I did all sorts of things. Um, And then I ended up uh, moving to Minnesota from Michigan. And I worked at a Y. And uh, met up with with a Special Mix Minnesota staff and started talking about inclusion. And six months later, she called me up and said, hey, do you want to pilot this young athletes program here in Minnesota? I think you'd be a great leader for that. And I was honored and excited and said yes before I told the why what we were going to do. And thankfully, they said yes. And I uh, was eight months pregnant and ran my first session. <laughs> so I'm about to have that. That little guy is going to be 12 in a couple of days. So Special Mix has been a part of my life for a very long time. Jennifer, the Young Athletes Program was developed by Special Olympics for young children with intellectual or developmental disabilities between two and seven years old. 
what is sports training important? Why is the sports training important for those very young athletes? That's an excellent question. So yes, Young Athletes is an inclusive gross motor skills and play program for kids two to seven. Um, and I think Young Athletes is good for kids because sports training is good for all kids, no matter their ability. What Young Athletes does is provide an opportunity for kids to have their skills met where they're at um, with adaptations made along the way. Um, the importance of Young Athletes is that it fosters inclusive friendships at a very young age. And I'm of the firm belief, there's a quote here in Minnesota that's real popular. It's, it's from Paul Wellstone. When we all do better, we all do better. And I think if we all start doing better as young as two years old, we're just going to have a brighter, more inclusive future. So I think young athletes brings to all kids solid sports training for Special Olympics, but also a ton of life skills that they'll use later in life. Jennifer, how is Young Athletes Inclusive Program? Can you share some examples of your favorite Young Athletes event that you have that you have seen? Okay, so that's a really hard question for me to answer because of all my memories, I can remember all of Young Athletes events like start to finish that I've seen. I've seen a lot. I would say first and foremost um, that Young Athletes is an inclusive play program. That first part of your question to answer that is that it works through the skill sets of each individual child, like I mentioned, and we have trained volunteers. So if anybody listening to this is interested in getting involved with young athletes, you can go to learn.specialolympics.org and take our young athletes coaches training. Um, also get in touch with your local program and see about being a leader. So the first way we make um, true inclusive programming is have high quality trained individuals leading the programming. Um, and then we have fun kids that participate and play with us. I do have to say my favorite experience that is universal across all of young athletes is the moment when a child succeeds in the programming. And that can be very, very seemingly small to an outsider or a very large thing. So I'll give an example. A very large thing a child might do at an event is jump with two feet off the air, up in the air, right? That's a skill. That's a development they might get in young athletes. And we might see that for the first time in our programming. And that's very exciting. But we may also see a kid that's going to an eight-week session of young athletes, and they have really struggle, and they can't make it all the way through the class. But maybe week five, they sit for the first three minutes of circle time and share their name. That to me is just the joy of these events is seeing things start to click for the kids and, and, and noticing in their eyes that they realize that they have been successful at something in class. So I always encourage our coaches, no matter what you think that success was, big or small, always tell the parents and the families that because that's what they're looking for uh, from this programming. They want sports skills to be gained, but they also want the social skills as well. Dr. Mercy, I know you. I know that your father was an Olympian, Olympian who competed in the four hundred meters hurdles at the 1988 Summer Games in Seoul. That is so awesome. Did his participation as an elite athlete impact your decision to work for a sports organization like Special Olympics? 
So Novi, first let me say thank you so much for having me on your program. As Jennifer said, I'm very excited to be part of this and just to be part of, you know, Special Olympics and the pediatric screening in general. And I'm, whenever I speak about what we do, I'm so passionate about it that any opportunity I get to explain what it's about, it's very welcome for me. Um, yes, as you said, my father is an, an elite athlete, but I should just mention that I never got any of that. I didn't inherit any of his athleticism, but what he was able to instill in us is just the like and the appreciation for sports. So, I mean, I can, I can tell you throughout my life growing up, I must have watched every single race that has been run in the Olympics and in the World Championships because in any of his free time, there's always a race playing in the house. So we almost know who won. It's almost like a trivia in the house, like who won this in this year, this time. So yeah, and then the other highlight for us has been because of all this, um, he used to train with a lot of the, the Kenyan world champions. You know, if I talk about Paul Tergat, uh, Kipchoge, all these people are his friends. So some of the things that we can see, what well, we benefited from him being an elite athlete is that we were able to meet all these world champions and, you know, grew up with their children and our families were friends. So for me, that's a big highlight. So, I mean, when he came to, when I mentioned to him that there's an opportunity to work with Special Olympics, the excitement, not just from me, but from the entire family, it was like, of course, yes. Next questions were, when are we, how, how do we get involved ourselves? When can we come and witness, you know, activities with Special Olympics? So the excitement is palpable, not just for me, but for my entire family. I have a question for both of you. What is your favorite sport? Jennifer, do you want to go first or should I tackle this fast? <laughs> you, you go first and then I'll, I'll follow up. Okay. So for mine, it's definitely football. And I know for the American audience listening, I, you know, I'm still struggling with calling it soccer because I have called it football all my life and that's what I still stick to. But yes, football is definitely my favorite sport. I am a lifetime member of Manchester United Club. I've been to Old Trafford. I am all about Manchester United. So that's my favorite sport by far. <laughs> I didn't know that about you, Mercy. That's very <laughs> cool. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, my favorite sport just goes by what my children played last or did last <laughs> or the event I've seen in Special Olympics. And uh, so my boys did track and field on a community league this year. They're, they're in a, going into first grade and going into seventh grade. And I just loved it for a particular reason. I signed because I am not an athlete myself. I um, it, uh, got them involved with a very low stakes league where it's just about running and having fun. And that was really instilled in my voice. So I got to see it in person. And I, of course, well up when they go across the finish line, no matter the placement. But I also found that there was a little girl much like me. She um, perhaps may not be an Olympic track athlete, but smiled at every last place finish she got and had so much joy on her face. And week after week after week, I would just cry every time she crossed the finish line. Cause I was like, I, that is me and I appreciate you. And I'm glad you show up every week. So I like track and field just because there's lots going on, lots of different activities to see. I love seeing it with Special Olympics. I saw it at USA Games recently. So I would say that's my favorite sport currently. But ask me in the fall. It'll change. Both of you have been working on pediatric screening programs. Can you tell us more about the pediatric screenings and why is, why is it so important? So let me. 
I'll, I'll start with this and then maybe Jennifer can also, you know, give her input. But for me, each time, as I said, this is something that I'm very, very passionate about. And thank you for asking this question. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's been proven now that people with IDD um, have been disproportionately affected by health disparities. This has been proven from very many different studies. And this has been highlighted, especially now, when there's been, um, over the years, deinstitutionalization of people with IDD. Because, you know, in the past, they would be institutionalized and all their healthcare needs and everything were met in that setting. But now with the change, we're getting more integration and inclusion of uh, people with IDD into society. And their healthcare now is being moved towards the community and community healthcare workers. And it's been shown this transition was either quicker than people were prepared for. And so you have many community healthcare who, who don't really feel well equipped or really prepared to handle the healthcare needs, which are a little bit unique um, of, for people with um, IDD. And so in order to address some of these health disparities, I mean, there are lots of recommendations that have been put out there in terms of strategies on how to do that. One of them is uh, promoting early identification and inclusion of people with IDD. And that's what we aim to do in the pediatric screening. The other strategy includes uh, prevention and management of commonly occurring health conditions. We know that there are certain health conditions that occur more commonly amongst people you know, with IDD or other developmental disabilities. And what we aim to do in our pediatric screening is kind of screen for that and identify any of these conditions that could have been missed um, during their normal day-to-day -day, um, health interactions. Yeah, absolutely. I can add to that. Um, our pediatric screening um, kind of welled up from um, requests from our programs, so our special mix programs around the globe. Um, as we all know on this call, but just to give a little bit more depth explanation, we have our healthy athlete screenings, right, for, for, for our athletes ages eight and older, and those could be um, a dental screening, vision screening, hearing screening, etc., those have been so wildly successful. We did have some protocol created for our young athletes, which is in use uh, for our two to seven year old crowd because it's different treating children than it is adults or eight plus audience. So our, in any case, our program saw all the great offerings with healthy athletes and thought we needed a more generalized pediatric screening in place at, at our events. To, to capture those very, very specific health needs that our little ones have in young athletes, but also the hope that maybe when they get to be 18 and they have an opening eyes, it's not the first time that they're being identified that they need new glasses. They, they knew way back um, doing their young athletes general pediatric screening that this was something they were going to need. Dr. Marshall, World Board Jojo has all taken how does that influence your work in medicine? Um, thank you for that question. That's also one of those questions that for me, I could take a whole day to respond to and I could say lots and lots about it, but I'll try and keep it as brief as possible. Now, my experience with medicine, I, I was always just on the first lane, you know, very clinical at heart and at mind, did my pediatric residency, did my cardiology fellowship and was very clinical. But when uh, Jojo came into my life, and I can say it's been one of the biggest blessings in my life, it really changed a lot of my outlook towards my practice in medicine and even how I receive medicine. This is because, you know, being a parent of a child with, with um, some IDD has given me a front row seat to the joys and challenges of raising a child with special needs. It's something that I would never 
I would never have understood as intimately as I understand now that I have lived this journey. I've been able to gain a better understanding of what are, what are the needs of not just the, the person with the IDD, but also their families. And by doing so, it has, I believe, has made me a better advocate because I've lived this journey. So I, I can identify, I can empathize with people living this journey and therefore makes me a better advocate. Where will you be conducting the pediatric screenings in? Yeah, so like I mentioned previously, our pediatric screening is in a pilot phase. So there may be some veterans to Special Olympics listening to this wondering, hey, why haven't I heard about that? Um, If you haven't heard about it from me directly, um, it's because we're piloting and we're trying to perfect the tool that we're working with. We are wrapping up a pilot here in the States, and I'm going to try and remember all the states because they've done such hard and wonderful work. We're in, we are piloting in Michigan, Maryland, Ohio, Louisiana, Tennessee, and Hawaii. Um, they've all volunteered, um, not voluntold, volunteered to, to do this screening, and they've done a beautiful job working through it with us. Um, we are also piloting globally in UAE, Egypt, India, Pakistan, and South Africa. Um, on, through our maternal and child health project funded by the Gates Foundation, which is such a thrill. Um, just to get a little bit more depth, the maternal child health project that we're working on, we hope it's part of a suite of options with young athletes that we can unleash globally, which is this pediatric screening, young athletes and family health forums all together. So we're working on that very diligently right now. Um, And I get to go see these screenings in a few places around the globe. And I've been out to the States and seen what wonderful work folks have been doing. The next stage after this pilot is for Mercy and I to sit back down, look at that tool, see what worked, see what didn't for the events and rewrite it (laughs) and pilot again until we get it right. Um, So it's been an amazing, exciting journey to have all these programs involved. We're so thankful for their support. What makes Special Olympics a good partner or a venue for conducting a pediatric screening? Why why Special Olympics? Mm, Why not Special Olympics, I think is the question. Um, So I think that a young athlete's event um, is a perfect venue and a partner for a screening like this. It provides a space where it's a little bit more relaxed than a doctor visit, right? Some kids get scared by going to the doctor. And I heard a few parents going through some of the pilot screening saying, this was great. My kid didn't realize they were getting a doctor visit today, Um, but Mm -hmm. they were, and they were playing at the same time. So I think that is the main reason why we make a good partner is we provide that, again, that low stakes opportunity for kids to to be screened in a really creative and fun way where they maybe don't even realize what is going on around them. Um, And we also give parents that opportunity to connect deeply with a medical professional and get questions answered that maybe uh, they didn't know they could ask a doctor. Um, I'm not sure. Mercy, is there more you'd like to add to this question? I just like to say that Jennifer, your points are very valid, and you know I agree hundred percent with what you're saying. All I'd add is that you know Special Olympics already has programs that brings together people with IDD and their families, so they're already in one place that makes them easily accessible. So from a healthcare provider, it you know it makes it 
easier for us to just bring the services to them as opposed to leaving the responsibility to them to go seek out these services. So it's more, it's, a, it's an easier way to meet them where they are. And second, which I think is very important for us is that these athletes, once they get involved with Special Olympics, it's not a one-off thing. They get involved with Special Olympics over a period of time. And with time, they develop this trust and relationship with Special Olympics. And that makes them, I believe, more receptive to some of you know, the healthcare, the, the health information we're giving them, the resources we're giving them, the advice we're giving them. They are more receptive because they have built a relationship with Special Olympics over a period of time which I think is very important in forming a health, a health relationship. Aside from the benefits to the young athletes and their families, are there benefits to professionals who are conducting the pediatric screening? Oh yeah, the professionals benefit, in my opinion, a great deal. I'll just speak briefly on it and let Mercy kind of take it away because she is a healthcare provider. But I would say as a former case manager for people with intellectual and developmental disabilities, I used to go to doctor appointments and visits and unfortunately hospitalizations and sit in hospital rooms with my clients. And what I saw wasn't always the best um, service for our individuals. Now that um, showing my age was about 20 years ago. So I hope we've progressed, but I think um, individuals outside of our population don't realize how little training there is for pe- you know, for, for healthcare providers treating people with disabilities. And this screening provides an opportunity. Our volunteers that come to us are, of course, we have pediatricians and developmental psychologists and, and nurse practitioners, but we also have new medical students. And so this screening gives them a window into working with kids with disabilities, and they may never have encountered kids with disabilities in their whole life. And we don't want that first encounter to be when they're a full-fledged professional. We want to catch them when they're in that early stage of their career. So that's why I think it benefits healthcare providers. Mercy, do you have anything to add to that? I want to agree 100% with you. I feel one of the biggest beneficiaries of this program, to be honest, are the healthcare providers. And I want to start all the way from the beginning. You know, as a parent myself of a child with um, IDD, and I've mentioned this before, I can tell you every parent vividly remembers, you know, when the news about their child's disability was delivered to them by the healthcare provider. And in many ways, this moment is usually a make or a break moment because it will determine just the entire outlook towards the journey they're about to embark on yeah, with regards to the care of their child. And for many healthcare professionals, um, they, and, and this particular conversation really must be approached with a lot of compassion, sensitivity, and you know, the use of language that is clear, you know, but also very reassuring at the same time. And studies have shown that many healthcare professionals may feel that they're not really equipped to handle not just this initial conversation, but the day-to-day care of individuals with IDD. Studies have actually shown that some healthcare providers believe that you require extra training or extra credentials for you to handle people with IDD, which isn't necessarily the case. And therefore, them taking part in these screenings helps demystify that because it gives them, as I said, a window into that world. They get to gain knowledge and experience on how exactly to handle you know, people with IDD, what kind of adaptations need to be made, what are their spe- the special needs that they need to be able to address, but also the similarities with their everyday clients that they meet. So that you can just demystify this fear or lack of assurance that they can be able to handle this. And for us, the most beautiful thing is that when they get this knowledge and this understanding, then they're able to, you know, to carry this knowledge to them in their practices. 
is that with time we build this community of healthcare workers or healthcare professionals who are com- who understand the unique needs of people with IDD, who feel comfortable handling people with IDD, and that way we we better the relation the relationship between people with IDD and their families and the healthcare professionals. That's for me. That's a big thing. Is that we, I my desire is that we build this network of professionals who feel comfortable, who are empowered with the right way to speak with families, the right way to work with families. That way, making it a better experience for the people with IDD and their families. In three words, can you answer the question? <clears throat> what does inclusion mean to you? Um, I, I thought about. I mean, I've, I've, I've thought about this for, for a long time. You know, not just for this, and I've been asked this question many times. But for me, just simply put, inclusion means making sure that everybody has the opportunity to participate in every aspect of life, and that includes if it includes education, professional life, leisure activities, anything that they'd like to the best of their abilities and desires so there are no you know limitations to what someone can be a part of just because of their differences in their abilities that's what it means to me yeah i agree with you 100% of course mercy and i would add i don't know if i'm adding but my take on inclusion is that it's a space we all have a space at the table when inclusion is is um, happening and it fosters our talents and our abilities. And I've seen it firsthand um, in my professional life and it makes all the difference when you're working with folks that are uh, perceived different than you or have perceived different abilities. Um, it creates such a more uh, creative work environment and such a more wonderful uh, society. And I'll end by saying inclusion means to me, like I said before, we all do better when we all do better. If we're doing something for somebody who has an intellectual developmental disability, the ripple effect for the rest of the world cannot even be measured. So inclusion is an important part of my life, of my working life, and of young athletes in this pediatric screening moving forward. Thank you, Jennifer and Mercy, for joining the Inclusion Revolution podcast. It was great to talk to you today about the young athletes and all the incredible work you're doing to make sure our youngest athletes are healthy and included. We appreciate all the work that you continue to do for the Inclusion Revolution. Thank you for listening to the Inclusion Revolution Radio. Don't forget to subscribe. Tune in again in two weeks for a new episode.